Question for you today. Do you need math to get to heaven? Now that sounds like a question that, you know, some student would ask in frustration with an algebra lesson. Really? Do we really need to know this? Do we need to know this to get into heaven? But that question was the title of an article I saw on the internet where the guy was saying that math was very important, so important that he says you probably need it to get into heaven. Now he cited as proof this cartoon in which a, a sainted soul now is standing before the pearly gates and the angel asks, now the last thing you have to do to get into heaven is answer this question. Two trains left Chicago traveling 40 miles in the opposite direction. Well, we know that you don't need math to get into heaven. Sorry, teachers and engineers. We know that we get into heaven purely by God's grace, through faith alone in Jesus Christ. But that's not the common belief or idea that people have. A lot of people believe that the ticket to heaven is you just have to be good. But doesn't that then bring up the question, how good? And they might answer, well, just good enough. But how good is good enough? Now, we believe that, again, we get to heaven purely by God's grace in Jesus Christ. So would it surprise you if I tell you that we're urged to add goodness to our faith? This summer, we're going through a series of messages based on Peter's encouragement in his second letter, in which he tells us to add all of those things you see pictured there to our faith. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness. So today, we're going to say, oh, my goodness but not as an expression of surprise or disappointment, not really excitement either, but at that, it's a spiritual truth for us. My goodness. Now, would you consider yourself to be a good Christian? Now, I don't know how you would define a good Christian, but I think when everybody you know, starts out their faith or is brought up in that faith, they think about you know, being a a good Christian. But I think what happens after a while is we begin to become complacent with the way we are. And we don't necessarily continue to grow to become good Christians. We seem to settle for good enough. Isn't it interesting, though, how we don't settle for good enough in our life? This guy demonstrates that. He's going to buy a computer, so he's looking at the latest, the greatest, the fastest one. Off to the side are just those that are, you know, good enough. And that doesn't really interest us, does it? We don't want just the good enough product. We want the one that's the very best, the greatest, the latest, the fastest. Why is it that we won't settle for good enough with things we buy or things we do, but it seems we settle for that spiritually. Well, Peter does urge us to add goodness to our faith. So let's talk about that this morning. Now, what is goodness? 
Well, I suppose we could say it's the opposite of badness. You know, it's not being bad or evil, but being good, being kind, being helpful, doing the right thing. Well, fortunately for us, Peter tells us what that goodness is that we need to add to our faith. He tells us, in other words, the real thing. So let's back up a couple of verses and hear how Peter describes goodness. He says, God's divine power has been given, has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. And that's the same word goodness that he told us we need to add to our faith. He says, by his own goodness, God has brought us what we need. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises, so that through them, you may participate in the divine nature. You can have God's goodness, having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. So you see what Peter is telling us goodness is, the real thing? It's not just being good enough. It's not just having a, a C plus, I passed, in keeping the commandments, or even a B plus. Rather, he tells us it's God's goodness. And God tells us what that is. He says, you, be perfect, holy, as I, the Lord, your God, am perfect, holy. And so we recognize we don't have that goodness. Maybe that's why Peter is telling us, add it to your faith. Well, exactly what, it is, what is it that I should add? Well, it's Christ-likeness. He talked about his own divine power and glory and goodness that he demonstrated for us. He's talking about Christ. God's Son who came into this world and lived that perfect life of love and obedience to the Father. That's what he's urging us to have, starting with acknowledging I need it, desiring to get it, and then being diligent to add it to my faith. And that's what I'll explain as we go along this morning. We might look at it in a form of it simply being moral excellence. Now, we like to have excellence, don't we? You know, when you go to buy a car, you're looking for excellent product or a computer, or a phone. You want something that's working well. Even here in the church, we want excellence. We want excellent music. We want excellent facilities. We want excellent this and that because we want it to reflect for God's glory. But isn't it interesting that when it comes to our own personal lives, maybe we don't go for the excellent and just settle for good enough. But I want to tell you this morning about my goodness, the real thing, the Christ-likeness that we have. Now, last week we talked about faith, and we used Jesus' story about the four soils to describe the condition of the heart. 
You know, the heart that was hard and wouldn't accept his word. The heart that was shallow. And I just let that word begin with faith and then it died out. Or the heart that gets crowded out by the, the cares and the pleasures of this life and, and pushes God's word out. And then that soil that's fertile, where faith grows. And we simply ask the question then, what kind of heart do you have? And so when you came in this morning, you saw that uh, aquarium set up there on the table depicting those different soils and the fact that a seed is to go into the soil. Well, what kind of soil, what kind of heart do you have? Jesus continues that picture of, of growing, of a faith growing, when he talks about a tree. In Matthew chapter 12, he says, Make a tree good, and its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For a tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers. How can you who are evil say anything good? For the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. A good man brings good things out of the good stored up in him. And an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in him. So what's in your heart? What's stored up there? A few minutes ago when I was doing the announcements, I talked about a remodeling project. You've heard about us uh, talking about that. We're always talking about remodeling here. But I don't mean remodeling of the sanctuary or the fellowship hall now. I'm talking about the remodeling of us. The remodeling that needs to go on here in this heart and in my life. It's a remodeling that can't be done by us, but is needed by us. Paul explains that in Ephesians chapter 2. He says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins. You're not alive. He identifies why transgressions and sins. Now transgressions or trespasses is simply when a line has been drawn and then you decide to step over it. God says, don't do this. And then we step over the line. Sins is referring to not meeting a standard, a certain aspect or quality that God expects of us. We, we have fallen short of it. So he says, now this is what I want you to do, but we don't meet that standard. In theological terms, and some of you remember this from catechism days, those are the sins of commission and the sins of omission. What he's simply pointing out is, we're dead. We have no spiritual life. He says, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of the world. Are you influenced by the ways of the world? And of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient, the devil. Do you feel him working in your life? He said, all of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. We need remodeling. We need reviving. We need a new life. 
So it's nothing we can do, but it's needed by us. It's something that God does, and God has done it in Christ. Paul goes on to explain, but because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. Now, how did he do that? How did God give us this new life? Paul explains that in Romans when he says, But now, apart from the law, that is, nothing you can do, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. In other words, he's telling us that the remodeling, the reviving, the new life that we need has been given to us through faith in Jesus Christ. Now, I'd, I'd referred a few minutes ago to that story Jesus told about the four soils and seeds being planted in there. Jesus Christ is called the seed. He's the new life that God planted in this world. God's Son came into this world with His goodness, with His holiness. He showed it, He demonstrated it, He proved it. As He went through all the trials and all the troubles, all the experiences and all the temptations that you and I go through without any sin, in perfect goodness. Though He died, because of the wrath of God's justice poured out on Him, for our sins, which brings us the release from the penalty of our sins, Jesus came back to life to show that the penalty was paid, our guilt is removed, and you and I will live forever. That's the seed God planted. Now I was trying to figure out, how does that work? A seed. So I go on the internet to scienceforkids.com you have your sights, I have my sights, okay? And I found out this about seeds. Under that hard shell, there's a pocket of food or nutrients. And inside, there's a little baby plant. I didn't know that. And as the moisture softens up that hard shell, and the food feeds that little baby plant, that plant starts to grow and comes out. Jesus is that plant that goodness that you and I need. And God has planted that seed through his word in our hearts. So you and I have the righteousness, the goodness, the perfect goodness of God planted in us through our faith in Jesus. And just like a seed needs to be watered and nurtured so it'll grow, so that goodness in us will also be nurtured as we hear the word and receive the body and blood of Jesus in communion to give us that goodness so that it will grow. You see, we are being remodeled, given the real thing, Christ-likeness. Now, what's the reason for it? Well, you plant a seed, you want to see something grow. And that's what God wants. He wants to see that goodness his grace 
come out and show in us. As James put it before, we do the good deeds so that we may show our faith by it. Not for our praise, not for our credit, but to show people the grace, the goodness of God. That's what Peter explained in his first letter when he said, You are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. You see, it's already done. Now here's the purpose. So that you may declare the praises, and that's that same word, goodness, or excellencies, so that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his wonderful light. God simply wants that goodness to show out of you to show him to others. It's also the way in which we thank and praise God. It's our way of, of thanking him for saving us, for giving us the goodness that we don't have, but that comes to us as a gift through Jesus Christ. So living that good life, it's not about us, it's not about earning anything, it's about simply showing God and thanking Him. Now Peter did say, for this very reason, make every effort, so we have to do something, and that literally in the Greek was, apply all diligence to adding to your faith goodness. So he is telling us something now that we need to do to add to this goodness, to supply something along with it. So let's see what it is that we have to do. The, the right reason we add this goodness. You know, when you plant a seed, you don't just throw it out there and hope it takes. You make sure the soil is good. You supply the water. You put it in a place where it's going to get adequate sunlight. And then finally, you have to pull the seeds out. Or as in my yard, you keep the little kids from stepping on it. In the same way, we have to nurture this goodness that's in us. And here's what you have to do. It starts, first of all, with believing in Christ. Acknowledging that you do not have what God says you must have to get into heaven. Not math, but his goodness, his Christ-likeness. And that we have through faith in Jesus as our Savior. Then, knowing that, appreciating that, being motivated by Christ, we will desire to add to our faith, to show this goodness that he has put in us. As the Apostle Paul said in Romans, Now, in view of God's mercy, offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. That's your spiritual act of worship. Peter then says, be diligent. With all diligence, add to your faith. Now, what is that diligence? Sometimes we might think it's effort, but what he's talking about is simply zeal or eagerness. The desire to live the way God has now made you. Christ-like through faith in him. He says, add to your faith this goodness. That the word add to was a word in the Greek from which we get our word chorus or choreography, and it referred to somebody making a generous donation to put on a, a fine arts performance. That's what God is asking us to do, to make a generous, dedicated effort 
to show the goodness that he has placed in us. Add to your faith goodness. Paul said, work out your salvation with fear and trembling, for it's God who works in you both to will and to work his good pleasure. And so that's what he's encouraging us to do. Now, what does that look like practically? Well, that's what we're going to talk about for the next few weeks. We're going to look as we add on all these different qualities to our faith, these different traits, so that we can grow as a beautiful uh, tree with good fruit to God's glory. Okay, so what about today? The message is simple. Don't settle for good enough because God has given you the excellency of Christ. So grow in your faith and in your Christian life to become more Christ-like. And then you can simply make the expression, oh my goodness, as a form of thankfulness and witness to the goodness that God has given you. Amen.